Good morning, everyone. How are you doing on this morning? That's good on this uh, spring forward Sunday where we lose an hour of sleep. If you stayed up a little later like me, you might have lost two or three hours of sleep on this morning. We're excited for you to be here. I'm Pastor Joseph, one of the pastors here on staff. Chris Pleckenpole, for those of you, that's our lead pastor, if you don't know. Uh, Pastor Chris, he's an awesome man. I'm, I'm grateful for an opportunity. Yeah, you can clap, celebrating 10 years of them being here and stuff. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to stand before you to preach the word. Um, I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. This is an opportunity for us to fellowship together. Uh, we're in this new five-week series called Community. Everyone say community. community. We, our goal is to uh, remind everyone, ourselves included, of how to bring back the unity in community. You see that? You see that? All right. I like it, right? Some of you may not have caught that creativeness in that. And as, as cheesy as some of you say, oh, that's cheesy. No, the reality of it is, is that there's power in community. There's power in community. And when you're operating God's design for community and you understand what God is doing, then you understand that, that we, can move, we can move mountains when we're operating together, when we're on one accord, when we're acting as the body of Christ that he's called us to be. And so that's where we're going on this morning. Uh, if you have questions because the story uh, in the Bible that we're covering, there's a lot of verses. And you may have questions. I may not be able to touch every single point. We want your questions. And so this, this phone number will be on a, a bunch of the slides Feel free to text us. We'll, we'll get you those on Pastor, Ple- Pastor Plex podcast this week. Amen? Amen? All right. So the first thing for me personally, when I was uh, reading through this text, the first thing that came to mind was my fifth grade year at Riley Elementary here in Austin off an of airport over by, if you're from Austin, I don't even know if there is a Highland Mall anymore, but it was over by Highland Mall, right? Uh, and so Riley Elementary, fifth grade year, I was the I was the teacher's pet. I must admit, I was that guy that everyone made fun of because I was smart. You know, had the big glasses. This is all that I got talked about. I was bullied. You know, your mama tells you you're you're handsome and cute when you probably really aren't. You know, you, you know. I I used to watch shows like uh, this is just to give you preferences, like un- let you understand who I was. You ever seen Ricky Lake? Right, they, were, they used to have this show where it was like, go from zero to hero. Like, like I wanted to be that guy. Like, I said, oh, I can't wait till I get older. I'm a, I can't wait. I'm going to pull somebody on this show and have them remembering that they used to bully me and talk about me. But anyways, this is my fifth grade year I was talking about. It kind of brings back horrible memories. But one of the things that elementary school period that I looked forward to was being the line leader. Right, that was like. Like, it's not how they do it now where your name gets on a chart and everyone gets a turn. No, you had to be the best of the best to be the line leader. <laughs> right? It wasn't rotating duties and stuff. Like, you had to be the best. I was the best. <laughs> you know, so I had some haters in fifth grade. They mad. And I'd be up in the front of the line looking, just shaking, you know, just like, hey, y'all get behind me. <laughs> right? I look forward to it. Miss Garcia's class, probably one of the biggest teachers in my life and changed my life, but I, I look forward to being line leader. And you, anytime I wasn't line leader and I was at the back of the line and I wasn't first, I'd be mad. Like, why am I in the front? What do I got to do to be the best? What do I got to do to get in the front of this line? Like, how do I let this teacher know that they don't deserve it 
It's all about me. I need to be in the front to lead everyone to lunch, to the bathroom, to P.E., to play dodgeball. I wanted to be in the front of the line. And maybe it's just me. But what has happened is that this is carried over into my adulthood. Where I have to be in the front. And what I found is these three things. Is that we don't always prayerfully respond to community. Being in this group. Being in this line together. We don't respond prayerfully because we become ambitious. Like I... God, is, I know you have a plan for my life. I know you know my thoughts. I know you know you have all these different things. But what happens is I'm ambitious. I have goals. I have desires. There's things that I want. There, there's things I need to achieve. And God, your plan for my life, I'm, you're not moving fast enough, so I have to be ambitious. I have to push. I have to drive. I got to go. I got to go. If I'm not going, then I'm not earning. I'm not getting better. Another way this happens is we get arrogant along the way. Remember, it's all about me. I'm that guy. I'm the best. I'm the cream of the crop. And I got to make sure everybody knows it along the way. Who are you to think you're better than me? This happens in households. It happens at work. I work for the church. You don't think I look at Chris Pastor Pleck and Poe every now and then and say, what is he doing? <laughs> I don't always respond in prayer. I don't want to. If you think that changes just because you're here on a Sunday, nah, it don't matter where you go. The thoughts are in my mind. And I need to let you know I'm better than what you think I am. I want you to know it's all about me. This, this, and then lastly, we become self-absorbed. We're not prayerfully responding because we make it about ourselves. We become egotistical, selfish. I don't care about you. And remember, we're on this journey together and, and God's design is for us to look out for each other because we are in community, to take care of each other because we are in community. We just did a child dedication where in the, in the pause we yelled out, I do, that I will look out and help you with the raising of your kids. But do we? No, we don't. It becomes lip service and, and, and not an action. It becomes a, a desire of the heart, but not an not a, uh, emphasis with the hands and the doing and us being actually the hands and feet of Jesus. So how are we honestly, prayerfully responding to the community of God? That's where we're going this morning. That's what we're talking about when we're talking or we're getting through this bringing back the unity in community. And so if you will for me, just for a few moments, pray with me, bow your heads. And eternally begin to ask God within yourself, just God begin, allow me to hear me in this story. Father God, we thank you. God, you are everything that we need. My prayer right now, God, is as we jump into this text, God, that you reveal exactly what each and every one of us needs to hear, God. Hide me behind your cross, God. Use me as your vessel, God. To preach this word to your people, God. God, we love you. God, we thank you. It's all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Numbers chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. You can grab one of those. Uh, We'll be on page 124 starting off. Like I said, there are a lot of verses, and we may not get to hit every one of these verses, but this is an awesome story of the holiness of God. This is an awesome story of understanding that 
the man of God that God appoints is the man of God that he appointed. And so whoever he puts out in front, that's who he wants out in front. And what can happen oftentimes is that people will rise up against these, the leaders in the Christian household, in, in these Christian communities, and people will rise up. And I'm telling you now, that is a tough fight <laughs> when you think you're going to jump a man of God. And that's what this story is, is getting us to understand. Uh, just, just real quick, I want to read, and I didn't put this in there, but I, what happened in chapter 15, God gives them a duty to make these tassels and these cords connected to the tassel, these blue cords and tassels. And he's telling them the purpose of these is to remind you to keep my commandments. In, in verse chapter 15, verse 37, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels. 39, it says, it shall be tassels for you to look at and remember at the commandments of the Lord and to do them, not to follow after your own heart. This is what God tells Moses to tell the people. Don't follow after your own heart. And right at the end of this, this is where this story picks up. Look at verse one. It says, and they rose up. I'm sorry. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, son of Koath, son of Levi and Datham and Abiram and the sons of Eliab and on the son of Peleth, the son of Reuben, the sons of Reuben took men. Right. Just so just this this part is important so you can know who these people are. Sons of Korah. These are all. Uh, people that the lineage of Levi, these are the Levites, right? These are God's chosen. Their, their job is to handle and service the temple, to protect the temple, to, to move the holy vessels, the ark. This is their job. And so they have high honor in the temple, in, in this group of people. And what we see happening, this, that they're about to rise up. Look at verse 2, it says, and they rose up before Moses. Am I doing that? And they rose up before Moses with a number of people, with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. So what's happening right now is Korah, he's like, yo, Moses got to go. He got to go. So what he does, he says, you know what, let me get 250 leaders who want to stand up against them and say, you know what? Hey, Moses, you got to go. I'm the man for the job. You know, who died and put you in charge? And this is where the story takes place. And too often we're so focused on what's in front of us. Remember that ambition. We're so, we're so ambitious that we can miss our placement where God has put us. What, what can happen is we want the status without the sacrifice. We're so focused on, man, I need some more money. Who can I step on to get there? That we're missing it. And we'll get whoever we can to stand up against that man in charge. We're so focused on the the, the one, the two people in front of us that we don't even realize how many people we actually do have following us. And this is core. He wasn't content with the placement that God had gave him. He wasn't okay with where God had put him. And what happens is, when you're not okay with God, where God has placed you, that means you're not okay with God. And this is what's going on in this story. It says, they assembled themselves together against Moses and 
against Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So what he does, he gives truth that we're holy. And it's not because of who we are, it's because of who God is. That's a true statement. Then he goes on further to tell them, God's in the midst of all this. Why can't everybody be a leader? Because that wasn't God's design. But they missed it. Because over and over, over these last few chapters, if you're getting the numbers, people have been challenging Moses. They've been upset with Moses. His own siblings, his his sister and his brother said, yo, like, we saw that you married this woman. That's not good. Who said you, God chose you in the first place? God responds and says, look, I come to prophets in dreams and visions. I talk to him. But with Moses, I talk to him mouth to mouth. Like he hears my voice. I talk to him face to face. He sees me. He sees me. He hears me. I put him there. And the people missing it. What did God do to Miriam when she came up against Moses? He gave her leprosy. Seven days she was cast out the, 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 the group. Seven days they couldn't move. So you think that they didn't know about the God of the universe and his covering over Moses. No, they heard the story. But still, too often how quick we forget what God has put in front of us, where God has placed us, what God has called us to do. And we want to operate in our own will. We want to do what we want to do. We want to say what we want to say. We want to respond how we want to respond. And I thought this was cool right here because the Bible says that when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Moses responded with prayer. Too often we can miss it because motive in our relationship with God is everything. Your motive, your why. It's not just what you do. Why are you doing it? Spring break is coming up. And with spring break coming up, that means the kids are at home all day. All day. And what's amazing Uh, with my eight-year-old, and I'm sure I was like this too, but what happens is my eight-year-old knows that there's a lot of free time during spring break. With a lot of free free time, that means there's a lot, there can potentially be a lot of screen time. With a lot of screen time, in order to get the screen time, there are things he has to do to get the time on the screen. And what that means for him is, man, dad, so what do you want me to clean up? Like, whose kid is this? Dad, oh, I already cleaned my room. I cleaned the bathroom. I cleaned your room. I cleaned your bathroom. What in the world? Oh, you want me to do something else? Oh, I cleaned Kalia's room too. That's my daughter. Our response when we want something, oh, it's a good response. I'm there for whatever. I'll do whatever, and that's us. When it comes to God, when we want something, I feel like, man, God, I want versus serving him because he's God. Being okay with the placement because we can miss it. Moses hears, he's literally jumped 250 men, come before Moses and like, dude, you're out. We're in. Who put you there? Even though they know God put them there, but who put you there? Really? The most important place that, the most important place we can be is where God put us. But that's hard. Maybe it's just me. 
But that's hard. Do you ever feel like God's placement is wrong? Okay, that's just me too. I'm here. Do you ever, this past week alone, Wednesday of this week, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, I was talking to uh, Elder Joel. He called me, we usually have a weekly talk. He's been discipling me, going through discipleship for the past three years, right? Sticking with him. And I step outside, he says, so how you doing? And I told him, I said, I'm tired, Joel. I said, what you mean? I said, I'm tired. And I said it about three or four times, I'm tired. And as I begin to say it, tears begin to roll down my face. I said, I'm tired. And I'm walking around the church, get to the back of the church. I'm tired. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. And I begin to express myself. And I know for everyone out here, you want to believe that, man, there's a pastor. Think they got it all together. Not always. I told him, I shared with him, I began to share my heart with him, I'm tired. He said, that's a lot. I said, man, I'm tired. Sometimes I ask myself, God, is this where you want me? God, is this where you want me? Is this what you want me to do? Is this supposed to be this hard? Is this supposed to be this tough? And then what hurts even more when I'm praying that prayer and I, because I'm trying to respond in prayer like Moses, then I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. I'm like, God, what are you doing? And then as time and days go on, I'm, I'm going through the, this past week and I'm trying to listen for God to speak. And I'm reminded that he said, I told you why you was here a long time ago. And sometimes we forget, like Cora, we forget, because it wasn't like Cora wasn't a good, an honorable guy. He got 250 leaders to follow him to go up against Moses. It wasn't like he, he wasn't up there. The only people that were in front of him was Moses and Aaron. And you want to know what really hurts and what makes matters worse with this? Cora was Moses' first cousin. It's a, this is his family. This ain't just somebody we're in community with. This is family. It hurts. And it's like, God, if this is where you want me to be, the only way I can respond is with prayer. Because if I respond like Joseph, Charles, Aiken III will respond. If I respond like the guy that grew up in St. John's, 78752, if I respond like that, you may not like me. You may say, oh, he don't deserve to be up there. And I'm just telling you me. I know where I came from. And so we have to respond with prayer because if we respond with the book of us, there's a a, a little less love. And a lot more fire. I'm just, just, just talking to y'all. Look, this is where it goes. And he said to Korah and all his company, in the morning the Lord will show who is his. See, when you respond in prayer, God speaks to you. God's spoken to you. You've had relationship with him. 
You've drawn close. You've drawn nigh to him. He draws nigh to you. He tells you how to respond to the haters. He tells you how to respond to those who are coming at you ill-willed and maliciously. He teaches you how to respond with him and allowing him to handle the battle. He says, and who is holy and will bring him near to him, the one whom he chooses, he will bring near to him. Do this. Take censers. And for this, for this is like a fire pan. Take censers, Korah and all his company. Put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the holy one. For me personally, when I was reading this, I was like, why would he tell them to do this tomorrow? Part of me wants to believe that he's give, trying to give them a chance to come back. The time in between is like, because we could have did it just right there. and God could have showed up and did his thing. But giving them time to think, giving them time to think about their foolishness and what they was doing. You have gone too far. This is what Moses says, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Corey, hear now, you sons of Levi. Is, is to put to, is to, is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel? And he's reminding them first off of their service, that in, of their placement in the temple to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them. He's, you're out front already. People see you. People, people, people know who you are. They know your name, but you still want more. Like I said, you, I, I'm, maybe it's me, but every now, if I had blank, if I had more money, if I had the same privileges that he had, if I had, if I had, I'm filling the blank or whatever, if I had. And we're seeking more of the world and our, this attachment to it versus what God has given us. We have to guard our motives when it comes to serving God. We have to. And that he has brought you near and all your brothers, the sons of Levi with with you. And would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore, it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you may grumble against him? And Moses sent to to call Datham. These are the other ones, the the Reubenites. Uh, And the history there is... Reuben, he lost his his privileges because of him sinning, sinning, right? He lost the I'm the firstborn privileges. And so they already messed up. They're like, we're supposed to be out front. So it was easy for Korah to, to they was kind of, their, their camps were close together. He's like, look, y'all supposed to be number one. It's your right. There's going to always be someone in your ear telling you what you should be doing or where you should be. When God said, no, I called you to be here. There's always going to be someone there. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, we will not come up. They didn't want to talk to Moses. They didn't want that fire. They, know who, they knew who Moses was. But look, it is a small thing that you have brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey. For those of you who may not be familiar with this, but they were slaves in Egypt. Beaten. They, they were slaves, y'all. Now they're calling this, 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 this false nostalgia. This, oh, I remember when we was back in Egypt and we was being slaves. That was the land of flowing with milk and honey. 
Do you hear the, this, this mindset of how you forget where you came from and you begin? It's that person that tells the story wrong all the time. <laughs> you laughing because it's either you or you know somebody. <laughs> Don't look around if they sit next to you. They, missed, they messed it up. They missed it, y'all. They talking about slavery being the land flowing with milk and honey. To kill us in the wilderness that you must also make yourself prince over us. Now they're throwing in his face because remember, you remember Prince of Egypt. So they're throwing this in his face. You want to be. Moses didn't want it. God placed him there. God put him there. And here they are coming at him. Look what he says in. And moreover, you have not brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of the fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of, of these men? Will we, not, we, we will not come up. They were scared to come up because they were scared of what he would do. They created this false reality of who he was and what he had done. They was blaming him for things that God had already talked to him and disciplined on. Too often for some of us, people are judging us off of who we used to be and not who we are. When God comes in, he begins to change us. And not, not often do people get to see or experience that change. They want All they see is who I was, what I used to do, how I used to be, how I used to respond. When I was about 25 years old, I, I was working as a youth pastor at a church in San Antonio. I will not name names uh, to this, this church, but I remember sitting in a, the associate pastor's office and this pastor began to cuss me out and say you don't teach the bible all these different things i'm thinking in my mind god what is he talking about like where is this anger coming from 25 he had to be at least 40 40 some years old older than me he said i would never let my kids go in there with you i'm thinking i'm like man what is he talking about why like y'all he's cussing me out that was the first time in my life as an adult in church that I wanted to slap the fire out of somebody. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, that means hit them really, really, really hard. <laughs> I'm just, this is me. I know, I know you all, you have perfect thoughts. <laughs> and that everyone that talks to you any kind of way, you respond with Jesus loves you. <laughs> but me, 25-year-old me at that, I was like, ooh. And I'm sitting down, my fist are ball underneath. I say, God, I'm going to hit him. I'm going to hit him. I'm going to hit him. And tears, like, I'm, like, and then afterward, he had the audacity to say, let's pray. <laughs> I'm telling you, so I'm holding this man's hand, and then the campus pastor is in the room, too. We're holding hands. Tears are flowing down in my face. If you don't know, you'll know. I'm a crybaby. Uh, tears are flowing down my face. I'm like, God, I want to hit him while he's praying. I couldn't even pray. Like, I responded with prayer, but I responded in a way that where I wanted to do what I wanted to do and not what God wanted me to do. Like, I was, y'all, it was one of those, (laughs) you about to lose your job. Like, I was in that moment. This is why it's important to have a relationship with God. This is why it's important to be close to him, because the thoughts will come. The anger will come. The frustration will come. People will get on your nerves. People will get on your nerves. People in your household will get on your nerves. And I got to respond how God wants me to respond in this situation. Even if I feel that I'm right. I got to respond how God wants me to respond. Maybe it's just me. 
All right, look. And Moses was very angry. I'm telling you, he wanted to slap the fire out of his mouth too. And said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them. And I have not harmed one of them. And Moses said to Korah, be present, you and all your company before the Lord. You and, you and they and Aaron tomorrow. He said, show up. And let every one of you take his censer and put incense on it. And every one of you bring before the Lord his censer, 250 censers. You also and Aaron, each of you. So every man took his censer and put fire in them and laid incense on them and stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all of the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, y'all, this right here, separate yourselves from among this congregation. Separate yourself. He said, remove yourself because I'm about to do something. God will fight your battle for you. He will. And he's telling them to separate because he doesn't want to be close because the fire that God can slap us with is it's much harder than the one I can give. And so he's telling them to remove themselves because him being the holy God he is, he has to respond to sin. He has to. And, 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 and he wants them to know that I'm about to respond to what they're doing. And they fell on their faces and said, oh, God, remember, the response is important. They fell on their faces. They prayed, oh, God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will you be angry with all of the congregation? Again, Moses and Aaron responded with prayer. We have to respond in prayer. We have to respond in prayer. We have to respond in prayer. If you didn't get what the purpose of this is, we have to respond in prayer. I know some of you are saying, why does he keep saying you have to respond in prayer? Because we're not responding in prayer. Well, how do I know we're not responding in prayer? Because our lifestyles reflect the actions and motives of our heart. And so if I'm responding with the actions and motives of God, then I'm, I'm responding in a way to where I'm trying to run from the sinful nature. My language begins to change. My actions begin to change. My attitude begins to change. Am I responding in prayer? In order to respond in prayer, I have to talk to God. I have to spend time with him. That means I have to stop what I'm doing. Like in the middle of these tiffs of people coming at him, trying to remove him from where he is. They are. He drops down. God, they don't get it. I need you to tell me what to do. God, save them. Should you kill all of them because of this one man? God, I need you to move. They responded in prayer. And it's hard at times to respond in prayer when people are constantly pushing your buttons, constantly coming at you, constantly telling you you're not good enough, constantly telling you you're not supposed to be here. It's hard not to respond in arrogance when you know who you are, when you know how smart you are, you know where you've been, you know the life you live. It's hard to be the one that says, I'll back up. I'm going to respond in prayer. I'm going to let God do his thing. It's hard not to act on that. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do these works, and that it, was not, that it has not been of my own accord. God sent me. God put me here. If these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. What he's saying here is that, hey, 
if they die a regular, regular death, then God didn't send me. That's what he's saying. Then he says, but if the Lord creates something new, something you've never seen before, and the ground opens his mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. So what happens is, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of this story because there's a lot of verses in this. Moses tells people, hey, you might want to remove yourself from Bacor and his people because God's about to do something. The people smart enough now to listen to him. They say, well, let me back back <laughs> just a little bit because he may know what he's talking about. The ground opens up. Korah's family is all swallowed. All their stuff is swallowed. Those 250 leaders that brought the censers to offer to God, God gets them with fire. The people run away out of fear. Like, oh, snap. Let me get out of here before I get swallowed up. Oh, now you want to listen. Now you want to move. Now you believe that God is doing something. This is even funnier. Skip, we're skipping to verse 41. But on the next day, it don't take long, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. The next day, they missed it. The next day. So this ground opens up and you think it was me? You ain't never seen this before and you thought I did it. You thought I messed this thing up. No, that's God. We missed it. And when the congregation had assembled against Moses and against Aaron, they turned towards the tent of the meetings and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meetings. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from the midst of these congregations. He's trying to separate them that I may consume them in a moment. The fruit of their being despising God is their death. You want to be on team world and not team God? Death. Death. And what, how did they respond again? that I may consume them in a moment, and they fell on their faces. Respond in prayer. Moses and Aaron responded in prayer. If you don't write anything else down today, respond in prayer. Whatever you're going to, respond in prayer. If you don't hear anything from God, don't move on your own. Wait to hear from God. I'm guilty of this. Oh, God, you didn't say nothing. You giving it to me. Let me, let me try to handle this. And I begin to trip and fumble over my own feet because I'm not doing what God has called me to do. I'm not going where God has called me to go. When you respond in prayer, you wait and listen. If that means, hey, I got to wait for 40 days or 40 years, I got to wait. You may not be where you want to be. God has you where he wants you to be. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be. And, when, and, and Moses said to Aaron, take your censer and put fire on it. From, uh, from off the altar and lay incense on it and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron took it as Moses and, and said, Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. 
The plague was stopped. My question for you today is this. Are you prayerfully responding to community? Because what we see happening right here, they prayed, they responded from the prayer, and God told them what to do and how to do it. Right? Aaron is literally giving us a picture of Christ because he's standing amongst the dead and the living. But too often when we focus on stuff rather than God, what we have will not ever catch up to what we want. And so for Aaron, he understood that the people didn't get it. The people didn't get it. Let me jump out here. Let me give an offering because he knew God's wrath had to be satisfied. He's literally standing in between the dead and the living. This is the picture of Christ. And I know for a lot of us, and, I, and maybe it, I'll say for me, I'm always asking, why me? Why me? And, and I treat my relationship with God like that show, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Right? That idea of phoning a friend. Right? Can I, can I touch my lifelines? And, and I personally have a few people, a handful of people where I can phone a friend and I say, I can call my wife and I tell her, hey, see, you know, they, they up here, I feel like they're coming at me. She's like, who? Because she quick sometimes. She want to respond uh, with knocking the fire out of people's mouth too. She's protective of her husband. So if you do wrong by her husband, she naturally wants to be like, come on. She's like, but hey, you know, we need, to, we need to pray. We need to pray about it. If I call my mama, she's saying, did you talk to God? Mama, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> uh-huh. That's not what I want to hear. I know oftentimes we say why well, I mean, we want somebody to tell us what we're not supposed to do. And as believers in Christ, we're called to respond in prayer. And then our response in prayer should, should lead us because we're listening and we're abiding in the will of God. And here Aaron is responding in prayer, standing in between the dead and the Christ did that for us. If you want to know who we're talking about, why we're talking about, and why we can laugh, we can get excited, excited, why we can cry, because Jesus saved us from, from responding not in prayer. He saved us from he saved me from responding in Joseph. Jesus Christ lived the life that I could not live, died a death that I should have died. And because of that, he is now the mediator. And so when I stand before God, he doesn't see the Joseph that's ready to, hey, come at you the wrong way. He sees Jesus. And that blood that was on the cross that was shed for all of my sins, not just my sins from yesterday, not just my sins for today, but those sins that I'm going to do. Because guess what? I'm going to still think some things that I know I probably shouldn't think. And so on this morning, what we're about to do, we're about to celebrate someone saying, hey, I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. You can clap for that. And so as you, as you begin to pray and think about that, we begin to watch this video of our brother who is now coming to know Jesus Christ. Too often what can happen is we allow friction to fracture what God has put together. We allow the, the brokenness of the world to come into the body of Christ and we allow that to say, hey, the world responds like this, so we should respond like this. God doesn't want friction and fracture what he got going on. I told you about the pastor that cussed me out. I remember being in another staff meeting after that. He came at me again. And I want, I, I'm in here in front of the lead pastor there, but I'm like, Lord, just say the word. 
go. I can take them. Six months later, this grown man comes to me, pulls me in his office with tears in his eyes. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I can't even sleep at night. I don't know how I was responding that way. And my mind is like, oh, I guess we got to forgive him. He, that was the first time in my adult life that I ever been kissed by a man that wasn't related to me. He kissed me on the side of my face. He said, I love you, brother. Since then, we have a great relationship. For some of us, there are relationships that we have. There's frictions that the enemy is looking to fracture that relationship here. And God says, no, I want to bring it together. He said, I need you to be a praying community. He said, I can't take you there till I get what's in here right. If what's inside the walls of the church is messed up and is jacked up, then we go out to the world jacked up. And we're responding like the world is responding. God says, I have more for you. He said, you don't know what I can do. I'm going to do something just like that in the story. I'm going to do something you've never seen before. He says, so watch me work. You have to pray. You have to come to me. So now, don't allow your ambitions to take over to where your, your ambition isn't for the kingdom. Seeing people saved, seeing people's lives changed. Don't allow your arrogance, your the blessings that God has given you so much so to take over that you think that it was all about you, that you got you there. Don't be so self-absorbed to think that you can't stand in between and you're not interceding on the body of Christ. Don't be okay with people suffering right in front of you. We're bringing the unity back in community, but it has to start here. And if you don't know how to do it, respond in prayer. If it gets hard, respond in prayer. When you don't like how the world looks around you, respond in And you got to be, we have to be a people that pray. And so as you leave this place and never from the presence of God, because he is all in the midst of this, understand that God has you. God will keep you. So I want you to go have an awesome week of worship. You are sick.